It's good to see you this evening. We want to welcome you to our annual Christmas concert. And uh, typically in times past, we have uh, started our concert uh, with some of your singing. But this evening, we're going to, in just a moment after prayer, uh, go right into the concert. I understand you'll get to do a little singing later. But for some reason, I don't think you came here necessarily to sing. I think you came to hear uh, singing. But... <laughs> And there's some of you I'm sure we don't want to hear you sing, right? <laughs> but uh, thank you for being with us tonight. I know this is a special uh, season uh, for many people. And if you're here tonight and you don't understand the specialness of the season, uh, it'll be my prayer that through music and all that you experience this evening that you'll see the reason why we celebrate this time of year. So I'm going to ask you, I'll, uh, let, would you stand with me if you would? We're going to stand just for a moment. Uh, I'm going to open in a word of prayer, and after that, you can be seated for a long while. It won't hurt you to stretch your legs just for a moment. And uh, so let's bow together in a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this occasion tonight. We thank you for our alumni, our friends that are here this evening, Lord, some perhaps guests for the first time. And Lord, as we have assembled here together this evening, I pray that through the gift of music that you would minister to our hearts. Lord, there is a joy that circulates this time of year. Lord, there is a peace that is spoken of. There is a joy that is in the air. And Lord, we know that that peace and that joy comes from Jesus. And so, Father, I pray your blessing on this concert tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to leave here with a greater understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done for us and have a heart full to tell the world of it. We pray your blessing on this concert tonight and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated.
Well, I appreciate y'all all being here tonight. It's good to see you. And I trust that every part of the concert this evening will just bring the true meaning of Christmas to us. And that true meaning is Jesus Christ. And uh, the strings are making their way up, and they're going to be playing for us in just a moment. And uh, you will thoroughly enjoy them. I appreciate the brass uh, this evening. And we'll move forward in the concert in just a moment with our strings.
Oh, 
the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God.
At Christmas time, many people are used to celebrating Christ's birth, but that is not the complete story, is it? As we read in the Bible, the Christ child came for a particular purpose, and that particular purpose is to provide eternal life for everyone. It's wonderful that the babe was born in the manger, but it was much more than that. That babe that was born that night in the manger when the shepherds sang, and the, shep- the, or the angels sang, the shepherds came to kneel there and worship him. Later on, as the wise men came, that was just the beginning of the story. And the end of the story, as the Bible tells us, is the fact that Jesus came to die. That was his sole mission in the world, so that he could provide eternal life for each one of us. And it was only by his death that he could provide eternal life. And so as you think about it, you almost have to say he was born to die.
Well, as the handbells are preparing tonight and uh, getting ready to ring for us, I want you to join us in a couple of carols. We're going to start out with Silent Night. And just so you can stretch a little bit and uh, be ready to sit for a while, let's stand together. We'll sing the first and second stanzas of Silent Night. You probably know those all right if you don't. If you want to turn in your songbooks, you can to 111, and we're going to be singing the first and second stanzas of Silent Night, Holy Night, accompanied by uh, piano and handbells. You know, ready there? And uh, let's sing it out tonight. Silent Night, Holy Night. Again, the first two stanzas, 105 of O Come, All You Faithful.
you may be seated. You know, it's just amazing how the ringing of bells seems to go with Christmas, hasn't it? And I trust that was a blessing to you as it was to me as we sang. Of course, I had a front row seat to hear the bells. And uh, but we're going to let all of you hear it now at this time. They're going to play for us uh, a couple of songs that I know will be a blessing to you as, as they play for us this evening.
And it came to pass in those days that there went out, de uh, out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife, being great with child. And it was so that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And, they brought forth, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying,
Thank you. You may be seated. I want to express my appreciation to Dr. Doyle Robertson, who leads our music department, and also to all of our faculty, music faculty, who have labored long and hard with our students and getting them ready for this concert tonight. And uh, they uh, have done a great job, and I appreciate it. Next week is final exams for the students. So uh, I know that there's a lot of pressure building up to this, and they'll have a lot of pressure next week as well. I want to ask the ushers if they would uh, to prepare for the offering. And uh, there's still one more musical number yet. We have a piano duet, I believe, that will be played for the offertory number. But while the ushers prepare, I want to tell you these handbells are a unique addition to us. Uh, Back in March, there was a donor for the school that donated $10,000 Uh, to the music department. And so in our quest, uh, one of the things that we wanted to add was handbells. We had borrowed handbells from an area church, and uh, usually I think it was just a couple of octaves at a time. Well, long story short, uh, through the uh, kindness of a donor and also the generosity of uh, a church that was getting rid of some handbells that needed to be refinished, we were able to get a four-octave set totally refinished and uh, be able to be able to use tonight. And it's all because of the kindness of God's people. And uh, I'm grateful for those folks and their kindness back in March. And uh, we're able to enjoy uh, the benefits of that here at this Christmas concert tonight. Uh, from day one, Ambassador Baptist College was founded in 1989 for the purpose of training men and women for full-time Christian service. What does that mean? We're in the business of training preachers and Christian workers to go around the globe preaching the gospel. And uh, when you look into the choir loft tonight, you see the next generation of those who are preparing right now to go into the Lord's work. And uh, these students have the opportunity to minister in about 20 uh, plus different uh, local churches within an hour or two hour radius of this campus. And uh, their, their heartbeat is to serve the Lord. And so I hope that you've been able to sense that through the music tonight. 
In just a few moments, we're going to be receiving an offering, and that offering has a very specific purpose this evening. For those of you that are locals, uh, that you've lived in Cleveland County in the Lattimore area, you don't have to go very far, just go right around the corner uh, to see that there's some new things happening in this small town. Uh, back in 2004, uh, we purchased the Old Horn Supermarket, uh, which was attached here to the old John Bell store. We had, uh, we've refinished the John Bell part to be our student center and coffee shop, and for years we've used the Old Horn Supermarket for storage. And as we were looking at that space and praying and saying, you know, Lord, there's about 5,000 square feet here. What can we do with it? We started pondering it and uh, we came to the realization that we could move our existing library from its current location, and it's only 2,100 square feet, and move that and more than double the space by moving it to the Horn Supermarket. And so this summer we put a new roof uh, on the building, we put a thousand square foot outdoor patio uh, on that as well. But then there was a lot of work to be done on the inside. Uh, hopefully, uh, sometime this next week, they tell me that the old storefront will be totally finished and uh, we'll have that secure. And uh, we're in the process now of renovating the Old Horn Supermarket building to make it our new library. And our existing library is just on the other side of a large cinder block wall of the gymnasium. Uh, you want to talk about counterintuitive or just not productive is to have a gymnasium on one side and your library on the other. And so when we move the library to the Horn Supermarket Building, we're going to tear down that big wall and we're going to expand the gymnasium from a gymnasium made for elementary students to a gym made for college students. And so what I've given you is the cliff notes of uh, what's going to take place in the next uh, probably eight to nine months. But there's a price tag that is associated with that. And they tell us in order to, ref to refinish the Horn Supermarket building, it's new plumbing, new electrical, it's basically uh, new from the ground up. And to be able to take care of the gymnasium and the needs there, it'll be $750,000 for us. Uh, to do those two buildings. Uh, to date, uh, more than $70,000 has been given uh, towards uh, this project. Uh, we just learned earlier this week that another $45,000 will be coming in later next week. And then on top of that, there's another in-kind gift to help us with materials that will probably amount to about a close to $100,000. That all happened earlier this week. And uh, we still have a long ways to go. Uh, but there's one thing that I'll promise you is that when August of this next year comes and there's a new library and the gymnasium is done, every person that will drive by will have to come to one conclusion, and here it is, only God could do it. And so our prayer is, is here at the end of the year for our end of the year offering uh, for the college, and we'll also be receiving offerings in the spring is it goes specifically towards that need. And so tonight, the offering that will be give, received during the Christmas concert will be specifically for the library gymnasium project. And uh, it's a library that will provide better facilities for our students to study, a gymnasium that not only helps us with activities, but it helps us with events like missions conference and larger youth rallies where we're already packed for space. And so I hope that you'll prayerfully consider helping us. There's information that's listed in the brochure that you have tonight. There's a QR code. There's some of you that are high-tech 
And uh, you say, well, I didn't come prepared maybe to give an offering, but you can scan that QR code and you can give online. All of the gifts that are given tonight uh, are tax deductible uh, when they're given towards this project. They're offering envelopes that are in the pews if you'd like to give tonight. So I'm going to ask the ushers if they would to come. And they're going to serve us this evening. I'll let you remain seated. We'll ask God's blessing on the offering. And then we'll have, during the offering, we'll have a piano duet that I hope will be a blessing to you this evening. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we thank you for what we've heard tonight. And Lord, as we've shared our burden with these people, both here in this auditorium and abroad this evening, I pray that you'd bless this offering. And Lord, I pray that you'd let this project be a testimony to the world that, Lord, you're able to meet our needs. Lord, you know our desire is to train men and women for full-time service. And so, Father, I pray your blessing on the offering tonight, and I pray that you'll raise up more students like with those we've heard this evening to preach the gospel all over the world. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, ladies. That's two of our piano faculty members who played the offertory tonight. Before you leave this evening, I'd like to just remind you of just a brief instance of the Christmas story found in Matthew chapter 2. And before I begin reading the narrative, I do want to remind you of something. You know when you read in the early part of Matthew and the early part of Luke, that not everything that you read in those two chapters happened the very night of Jesus' birth. As a matter of fact, there's probably a good chance that there's a spread of time in which it takes place, but it's in that vicinity, and so I believe it's okay to read in those chapters, even if it wasn't the exact very night of Christ's birth, if it's related to the Christmas story, I believe that it's okay uh, for us to read it and to reflect on it tonight. And so in Matthew chapter 2, I'd like to read the first two verses of the chapter where the Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but several years ago I had the opportunity to be out of the country during the Christmas season uh, for, oh, I don't know, probably 45 years of my life. Uh, I've spent the Christmas season in America, uh, accustomed to our customs and our reflections and the way that we do things in our churches But I'll never forget, it was the day after Thanksgiving several years ago, I left America, I flew to Japan. And uh, it would be in Japan that for two weeks I would do music concerts. I think I probably did 16 or 18 music concerts in 14 days and preached the gospel in mostly Japanese national churches. And uh, it was an intense time. It wasn't a vacation, but I was introduced to Christmas outside of America. I still remember laying on the carpet in the airport in South Korea. You're like, you laid on the carpet? Listen, when you've been sleep deprived, you'll do anything to get sleep. I still remember laying there and I saw the hues of green and purple. It was decorated, but it just wasn't like the red and green that I was accustomed to here in America. I remember getting over to Japan and flying in the airport there. And uh, I still remember the festivities for those people who are video gamers. There were Nintendo characters everywhere. Uh, Packages and bows and still not a lot of red and green. But nonetheless, it showed me that in other cultures uh, at that time of year, it was a time of somewhat of celebration to them. In South Korea, in that airport there in Seoul, it was a time of celebration. When I got to Japan, it was a time of celebration. And I think it's safe to say that when we come to this time of the year, that we would even say here in America, it's a season to celebrate. But I'm afraid that there are many people that have no idea of what they're celebrating. And then there are others that are celebrating for the wrong reasons. I want to ask you tonight personally, why is it that you celebrate this time of year? 
When we talk about Christmas, we say, well, I like Christmas because you were with family at Christmas. Well, I do too. Some of you say, well, I like Christmas because Christmas time we get presents. Well, can I just be honest and say, I like to do that too. But do you know that there's more to Christmas than just family gatherings and the giving and the receiving of gifts? As a matter of fact, there is a greater reason that I'm afraid that the world is grossly unaware of. And I want to take you back 2,000 years and I want you to see that these wise men, they were celebrating and they would even later give gifts But the reason they had a season to celebrate was for one reason, and His name is Jesus Christ. And I believe that that truth endures tonight, and that God wants every individual in this room to not only know that reason, but to accept and receive, place their faith in that reason, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we read this narrative here about King Herod and the wise men and this exchange, there's several things that we see. The first thing we see is the inquiry, the inquiry of the wise men. When their question is, where is he that is born king of the Jews? They had heard from afar off that somebody special was being born. His name, his term, his title, the king of the Jews. And they come into Jerusalem and they're asking that question, where is the king of the Jews? Where is Jesus? You know, that's a question that every person in this room would do well to ask as we come to this time of year, where is Jesus? For many people, this is an empty celebration. For many people, this is just a time of of parties and this is a time of just interacting with friends and family. It's a time of giving and a time of receiving. But you do well to ask yourself, what about Jesus tonight? That question led them to Jerusalem. That question led them to Herod's presence as they ask that question. But not only do you see the inquiry of the wise men, but then in verses 3 and 4, you see the insincerity of King Herod. These wise men come to Jerusalem. They say, where is Jesus, or where is is He that is born the King of the Jews? And in verse 3, the Bible tells us that when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. You know, word not only spreads in Lattimore, word not only spreads in Cleveland County, word apparently spread in Jerusalem. And the rumor has it there's something going on here. When Herod hears this thing about king of the Jews and he himself is ruling, he begins to get a little concerned. And the Bible says that he was troubled. And then in verse 4, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where where Christ should be born. Verse 7, it says, Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he tells them, he says, listen, where is this Jesus? And later on he says, when you find Him, he said, you tell me where He's at so I can worship Him too. 
And I'm going to tell you, Herod was about as insincere as the biggest phony you ever know. You like insincerity? I don't. Teenagers can discern insincerity. We as adults, we don't like insincerity. Well, if there was anybody that was insincere that day, it was Herod. When Herod asked, I want to know where he's at so that I can go and worship him too, he didn't mean that any more than a man in the moon. As a matter of fact, he would want to kill Jesus because he saw Jesus as a threat. But here was a man who on the outside acted like he was seeking Jesus, but on the inside he despised it. You know, it's this time of year that brings out a lot of insincerity in people. You know, it's easy on the outside, we play a game and we talk about Jesus and would even use the term, He's the reason for the season. However, some in their own hearts know that they have no relationship with God, that they've never had their sins forgiven through the blood of Christ. And while on the outside they appear to be sincere, on the inside they're not. I want to ask you, when it comes to the Christmas season, is there a trueness in your heart about it? When you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, you know that your sins are forgiven. Why? Because Jesus Christ washed away your sins in His precious blood. And that babe in the manger would die on the cross and go to a tomb only to leave it victorious so that you might be saved. This is not the time of year in which we need insincerity. We need people to see Jesus for who He really is. And instead of despising Him or rejecting Him, rather they need to accept Him. You see the inquiry of the wise men. You see the insecurity of Herod. But then you see the instruction of the Scriptures. Herod makes a demand. He says, where is this baby born? And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet, But thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. You know what the wise men... Listen, the wise men... I know a lot of times we think that the wise men... They were very smart, and perhaps they were. No doubt they were very well educated, but they were called wise men because they were men of means, and they were very wise in the studies of the world. But let me tell you, these men not only knew philosophy, and not only did they know the things that were perhaps breaking in science or history of its day, but apparently they knew the most important thing. They had a familiarity, or at least somewhat, with the Bible. What is it that guided them to Jesus? It was the Bible. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we need the Bible just as much tonight as the wise men needed it 2,000 years ago. They would have never found Jesus had it not been for what was prophesied in Micah chapter 5. It's an Old Testament quotation here in the New Testament. When Herod said, how do you know he's born in Bethlehem? They said, well, here's what the prophet said. A lot of times in our day and time, you find people that are looking for signs and visions. There are people that say, well, I'm looking for signs 
of His coming, or I'm looking for signs about God. Can I tell you this book that I have in my hands tonight? It's a sign. It's truer than any road sign you ever saw. If you came in here tonight, you pulled in on Stockton Street, which later turns into New House Road. Out in this thriving metropolis, you have Main Street, which turns into Price Street and goes on to Peachtree Road. Now listen, you can trust those signs tonight. You came, you say, well, it was my GPS that told me what to do. Well, I'm sure you looked at signs along the way. But you know, this Bible tonight is a true sign. It will never lead you wrong. And this book did not lead the wise men on a goose chase. It led them right to the feet of Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, that book can do the same for you tonight. You're here and you're looking for cleansing. You're here and you're looking for peace. The Bible says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You're here tonight and you say, I'm lost. You say, I'm apart from God. I have no hope. Well, the Bible gives you good news. Here's a sign. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. The wise men had enough sense to look at the Bible. I want to ask you, do you this evening? How do you know Jesus is being born in Bethlehem? They said Micah said it hundreds of years ago. But then you see the investigation of insincerity in verses 7 and 8. Herod privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently of what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And as I mentioned earlier, here's Herod. He's insincere. He's not interested in finding Jesus. He's interested in destroying him. But the last thing that I want you to see is I want you to see the wise men and their introduction to the Savior. In verse 9, When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. You know what's really interesting? I didn't notice this until just a few years ago when I was reading this passage. The wise men, do you know when they first rejoiced? They didn't first rejoice when they saw Jesus. They first rejoiced when they saw the star. The star that would point them to Jesus caused them to have a happiness to arise in their hearts. And when I think of that, I say to myself, well, how much more happier they would have been when they saw Him with their own two eyes. In verse 11, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped Him. Do you remember the first time you saw your first child? Our first child was born in 1997. Just seems like yesterday he's, he was born and now he's arresting criminals. 
The second one, it seems like yesterday that he was born in Hendersonville. Now he's putting out fires. You know, it's amazing when you see that child for the first time. Dorm students here have no clue, but one day they will. And I hope they have lots of children. I hope they have ten apiece. (laughs) Populate the world. But when you set your eyes on a child for the first time, listen, that's a very special thing. Imagine the heart of a mother. When that mother has carried that child for nine long months through heartburn, late nights, sore ribs, you name it. And she sets her eyes on that child for the first time. And oh, how her heart glows. Listen, as special as a moment as that was, it doesn't compare to when here these wise men for the first time set their eyes on the Son of God who has come to save the world. You know, I've never seen Jesus with my own two eyes. I know that surprises some of you. Some of you say, well, if anybody ought to see the Lord, it ought to be preachers. Listen, there's no other person in this room that's ever seen God. The Bible says for us when it comes to God the Father, no man has seen God at any time. And I've never seen Jesus with my own two eyes per se, but I will tell you when I met Him when I was 12 years old. When I heard the gospel that was preached, that Jesus Christ came, yes, He was born, laid into a manger. One day He would be hung on a cross. He would be laid in a borrowed tomb. And the Bible tells me that all that transpired. Why? So that I could be saved. And the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And it was as a 12-year-old boy when I was in my bedroom that that I called on Christ to be my Savior, I placed my faith in Christ, I repented, and I turned to God. And my life has never been the same. And I stand before you tonight and I tell you that there's coming a day when I close my eyes for the last time. One day I will see Him. The wise men saw Him 2,000 years ago. I saw him, so to speak, as a 12-year-old boy. My question to you is, when have you laid eyes on him? You know, there are a lot of people today, they celebrate the season, but there's a hollowness in their hearts. And my friend, it's possible for you to be born and raised in America and even be raised within the shadow of church steeples and have never really realized the reason for this season. Why? Because you have never truly trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. What does Christmas mean to you? You know, growing up, Christmas was not a spectacular holiday. I don't know how you were raised. I was raised in a very poor home where holidays were almost like other days. You know the reason I knew that Christmas was coming? My dad would come with me. Now this dates me a little bit, especially you older timers would know this a little bit better. My dad would come to me with a Sears and Roebuck catalog and say, look through this and tell me five things you want. But it can't be over this much. I always had to qualify it that way. 
And I would just go pouring through the catalog and I would order whatever and it would come in before Christmas. I would nag my dad the night before, please let me have one gift and that turned into two and three and he finally put a stop to that. And then Christmas Day was just another day. And then, you know, after I got married, holidays took on a whole new significance. My wife looked at me and said, it's Christmas, would you please get with the program? But it was because of all my life. I, you know, condition, just especially as a young child, Christmas to me was just another holiday. But you know what? There are a lot of adults in this world. Christmas is just another day off work. And it's just a little break before a new year to go into an uncertain year without God and without peace and without hope. And folks, I want you to know Christmas time is a season to celebrate. And the reason it's a season to celebrate is because Jesus Christ came to die for your sins and for mine. And when we place our faith in Him, He gives us peace, happiness, forgiveness that the world could never give. And I pray to God that you'd leave here tonight truly celebrating Christmas. Would you bow your heads with me together in prayer? In just a few moments, we'll be done. But our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I want to tell you, did you know that if you're here tonight and you're either not sure that you're saved or you're here tonight and you say, Alton, I'll tell you Christmas is an empty holiday. Listen, you can leave this auditorium this evening with that peace and that joy that I spoke of by trusting Jesus Christ. And you can do it tonight right where you're at. Now in a few moments, I'm going to have the chorale sing a stanza or two of Just As I Am without one plea. But before they do, I want to ask you this evening, are you here tonight with a joy and a peace in your heart knowing that Jesus Christ is your Savior? I'm not asking you, are you a church member? I'm not asking you. Have you been baptized? I'm not asking you, do you have a certificate of religious activity on your wall? But was there a time in your life when you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How many of you tonight would say, Alton, there was a time in my life when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior and tonight there's a confidence in my heart. I celebrate the Christmas season because I know Jesus Christ is my Savior and I can give testimony of that. If you can do that, would you slip your hand up and keep it up just a moment? All right, thank you. You may put them down. Tonight I want to extend an invitation to you. Jesus Christ came into this world to die for us because we're all sinners. We've all fallen short. And Jesus came and He died on the cross for you and He died on the cross for me. He shed His precious blood to save us. John 5, 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see... Or, excuse me, verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. 
Tonight, eternal life is offered to every individual in this room, no matter how bad you've been, no matter what you've done. Why? Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Are you willing to see yourself as a sinner before God this evening? Are you willing to see that Jesus died on the cross for you and was raised again that you might have eternal life? And this evening, are you willing to take that step of faith and place your faith in Christ tonight? If you're here and you don't have that peace and settledness in your heart, you've never done that. Listen, tonight I give you an invitation in just a moment. I'm going to give you the opportunity to call on the Lord right where you're at. If you're here and you know that you're a sinner, you're here tonight, you know that Christ paid the price for you on the cross, and you're here tonight and you're willing to place your faith in Him, you can call on Him right where you're at. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this evening I'm going to invite you to do that. I'm going to pray a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves the individual, but it's certainly of the fashion of which many people have prayed to place, as they've placed their faith in Christ. Uh, please understand, it's the belief tonight. It's not the prayer itself that saves a person. But if you're here this evening and you need to be saved, I would invite you to place your faith in Christ right now. And as I pray, would you pray genuinely in your own heart and ask the Lord to be your Savior, perhaps it would be tonight something like this. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm not worthy of your love. And I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. And He raised again that I could have eternal life. And tonight I place my faith in Jesus. I call on Him to be my Savior and to forgive me of all my sin. I'd like to just ask this evening, would there be any individual? Our heads are still bowed, our eyes are still closed. You're here tonight and you'd say, Alton, as I sat here this evening, I'm either not sure or I know that I'm not saved. When I came to this service and tonight you'd say, Alton, I just prayed that and I meant it. I just asked the Lord to save me. And tonight I'd like to ask you to remember me in prayer. Tonight I prayed that prayer and I placed my faith in Christ tonight. Tonight I called on the Lord to be my Savior. And tonight I want to let you know that. I want to acknowledge that. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up right now where you're at? Would you do it just right where you're at? Just slip it up high enough for me to see it. As I look across the room this evening, just a moment. Anybody as I wait just a moment. All right, I'm going to invite you to join me in standing. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'd like for our chorale just to sing a verse of just as I am without one plea. And as they sing tonight, I hope that in your heart you'll know that you have a season to celebrate. Listen to the chorale as they sing tonight.
All right, you can look this way. Thank you so much for being our guest tonight. There are a number of alumni that are here this evening. Uh, there are folks from the community that are here. Thank you. We do this every year right about this time. And I hope that you'll join us again next year. You're like, what are you going to get into next year? I have no clue, but it'll be good. Uh, we uh, appreciate the music ministry tonight. And if you're here this evening and you have any questions, any spiritual questions, God's at work in your soul. Listen, I'll be here towards the front somewhere. I would love to speak with you after the service and to help you. If you would, remember to pray for Ambassador Baptist College. And I wish all of you a very, very Merry Christmas. And may God bless you. You're dismissed.